Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Joining us from Sydney, what's it like up there today? It's quite a lovely morning, actually. Yeah. Mother's Day morning. It's nice. Have you been hanging out with your mum? No, I have a daughter, though. So... Do you? Okay. How old's your yeah, daughter? Yeah, I do. She's three. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Well, this is, the, this is the really interesting thing about you, I reckon, is that, you know, there's there's one persona we see on Instagram and there's there's the other persona, all this stuff. This is why I wanted to get you onto the show. So just how, what's your full name? How do we pronounce it? How do we get um, there? Gabriella Foyce. Foyce, so okay. It's a tricky last time. Yeah, it's spelled F-O-I-S. I was thinking you must be Foyce, must be French yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, everyone pronounces it like that. Well, I, I mean, being in the wine industry, you wouldn't want to take that myth away too quickly, <laughs> would you? Yeah, uh, exactly. Oui, oui, it is uh, Je suis Gabriella Foyce. I wanted to start with your very first Instagram post in oh. December 2015. Now, you, I'm sure you don't remember it. but I definitely don't remember no. But it always, um, it always looks like it's really cool to go back to the beginning of this sort of stuff with people's accounts and have a look. Yeah. Uh, and the... <laughs> yeah, look, so look, I do my research very thoroughly. But <laughs> your very first post says, life is basically all the stuff you have to do to get from coffee to wine. Do you, do you agree with that statement still all these years later? It, it still holds true today, to this very day. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, for me, I would throw cats and music in there as well. But, mm. you know, at the bottom of the, the you know, it, wine is really what we're here to talk about. So how did you get into the wine industry and what do you currently do there? Um, how did I get into the wine industry? I was actually working in hospitality. I worked in hospitality majority um, of my life since I was like 15. And I just, I was a little bit bored. And I remember going to this French wine restaurant across the road from where I work. And I remember looking at the wine list and I was, I know, I was just really nervous. I was like, how, is I, how am I meant to know if I want a Chardonnay, a Pinot Gris, a Pinot Blanc? And I just wanted to understand it all. So I think like the next week or a couple of weeks later, I enrolled in all these wine courses at Ride Tape here in Sydney, which is um like the wine centre. Yeah. And I just wanted to get out of the hospitality industry, which now looking back doesn't make much sense. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere, though, don't you? Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll get into wine and I'll become a wine educator and that way I don't have to work on a restaurant floor anymore and do these crazy hours. Oh, uh, yeah. But that hasn't really happened for me. <laughs> I so think didn't realise how intertwined they were. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think it is actually nice to keep a bit of a finger in that pie, so to speak, because, you know, you do you can lose a little bit of touch with what's going on out there in Wineland. But conversely, yeah. Gab, like if you're actually just doing that, sometimes you lose touch with what's actually happening out there in the reality of, of retail land, what people actually drink, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I've done both and I much prefer retail. I just wish people could tip you in a retail <laughs> setting. <laughs> well, I reckon maybe we could start a grassroots campaign of, uh, of tip. Well, so. I, work, I work at Dan Murphy, so they look after me pretty well. Um, I know you've got a few Dan Murphy's wine buddies up there in Sydney too. I do, I do. Um, and um, I think we're pretty lucky to have Mr. Buffington or Dr. Buffington aboard. Um, someone, sent the, me, someone sent me a message doctor. when he joined. Yeah, <laughs> so They sent me a message and said, you're pretty lucky to have this guy. I want to get him on the show at some point. I've never met him. But, uh, I mean, he, he can, he's a singer too, right? Like, I mean, I'm an ex-opera musician. He trained as an opera singer. Is that right? Yeah, you guys could do a little opera duet we together. Could. We could, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I think music and wine is really interesting. But, of course, one of the things that you kind of do on your account is to draw lots of different kind of influences together how would you how would you describe your instagram account 
Uh, um, a non-pretentious wine account. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there I'm is... really just trying to simplify wine and break down barriers. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people think wine can be quite intimidating. By the end of the day, it's just an alcoholic beverage and it shouldn't be. We shouldn't be putting up barriers and blocking people out. It's just grape juice, people. Yeah. People <laughs> need to calm down sometimes. Well, it does, but getting to that point is a really interesting point. I'd like to explore that for a second. And that is the, the pretentious kind of thing in the industry. So you, you were saying when you joined, you were... You're going across the road, you're starting to taste wine and, and it was all yeah. a bit overwhelming. And for me, I would walk into these restaurants and open the wine list, which was biblical, and, and it was like, what? why do I need to choose between 15 and 15,000 Chardonnays, you know, from all these different places? And and I often felt sommeliers kind of, they could, some of them could be like gatekeepers and only give the information out when it suited them. Is that something you felt? Um, yeah, I did, especially cause I was quite young when I was, um, first getting into one, I think I was like 20 years old. I was pretty clueless about everything and I did feel quite intimidated and it was all men as well. Oh, I, yeah. I haven't really come across many female sommeliers when I was first getting into it. Yeah. I think it is a bit of a bit blokey. Um, interestingly enough, in terms of wine making, there are a lot of uh, women out there making awesome wine, but the... The, the sort of head winemaking role does still tend to be a little bit dominated by the blokes. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I was lucky enough, my first ever gig was at Tarawara and I did a full vintage there in 13, but partials 11 and 12 and working with someone like Claire Halloran who just fierce, you know, fierce woman who just knew what she wanted to get, really wanted to express the dirt and, you know, we could name a lot of great winemakers who do that as well. And, of course, you know, we've got some, some excellent educators. I was also very lucky. Have you done any – well, hang on, I'm, I'm going ahead here, but have you done any WSET <laughs> training? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I did the two, the three, and I've got half an exam left on the diploma and I've had this half an exam for, like, three, four years. Well, the diploma – I don't know if I, I'll I ever finish it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never done the diploma. Um, you know, I kind of – I was doing a little bit of training for stuff in Europe. But I was lucky enough – check this out. I had Meg Brodman, who was a master of wine, and I also had Kate McIntyre from uh, Muraduka State, who was teaching me my level three WSET all those years ago when I was a muso. And I kind of just That's rocked cool. in and lucked out and got these two incredible people. That's awesome. Oh, I know, right? So when you okay, right? I'm going into into um, into old man mode here. Why why haven't you finished your diploma, young lady? Come on, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, well, during the diploma, I fell pregnant. So oh, okay, you know, right. I was That's a good reason. Too tired to study. Good reason, right? But yeah. I also thought, okay, I'm going to study when the baby arrives. I'll have yep. so much free time. <laughs> I was so wrong. <laughs> I thought I would have all this free time because the baby would be sleeping. <laughs> now, I don't have children, but even though, even I know that that's not right, Gabby. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking at the time. That's classic. That hey. was my genius plan. <laughs> it fell through. Did, you, did, it change your, um, did it change your perception of taste when you were pregnant or post-pregnancy? That's a, that's a thing I've heard of. Um, no, I actually probably think I would, would, would have been tasting better because yeah. I was the healthiest I've ever been being pregnant, you know, not drinking. Yeah just eating really clean um i felt amazing during my pregnancy yeah, fabulous yeah. yeah cool that's really but interesting tasting was great i was also working in wine retail back then i was managing a store in sydney's north shore called wine culture right uh, so i find when i work in wine retail it's when i taste my most amount of wines because you just constantly have reps popping in yep. dropping off samples 
Yeah, it's pretty cool, cool, isn't it? I mean, I I was super lucky this week to head out and see my mate at Thousand Candles, Stewie Proud. We kicked the dirt around for a few hours and watched the wedge-tailed eagles float around and talked about sustainable farming. But then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, everything out of tank, everything out of barrel, everything out of bottle. Uh, and, you know, it's sort of 12 o'clock and you've had about 40 or 50 different things and people say, oh, <laughs> they always laugh and they go, you've got such a great job. And we do, but it's sort of like, you know, mate, we're spitting it out and we're we're – compartmentalizing it there and of course Mm. at some point we're going to drink the wines last thing i want to talk about before we start to talk about our five top five under 21 wines which i think is a a really great topic and well done for for coming on board for that do you get annoyed at people that just take a cursory look at what you do on social media and dismiss what you do because they're not really delving into who you are and what qualifications you've got I think since uh, having a child, it's really taught me not to care what other people think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just like I'm too busy now for my mind to even think about it, but I, I know what I'm doing isn't for everybody and I'm not trying to be for everybody with what I'm doing. I'm just trying to have fun with it and create the photos that I want to create. Actually, Dr. Buffington helps me tremendously with it all. <laughs> he takes the pictures. Yeah, he's and, pretty talented you know, by the look of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll come with, I'll come to him with, you know, a crazy idea and maybe he should say no to some of my ideas sometimes, but he doesn't. <laughs> he just well, is like, oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> so I think, so, I mean, people can check it out. It's the wine about, you've got another account set up there, but the, the thing I would say about that, um, and it's hard as a 44 year old white man to have any kind of opinion and not, not have the shreds torn out of you, but I've seen male winemakers get nude and jump into, you know, ferments and put on Instagram. And, and Mac Forbes did a series of tastings sitting in his bath, you know. So when blokes do it, like, no one really seems to bat an eyelid. It's all really cool. But when yeah. maybe maybe it's a little bit sexist of us to worry about it if, if someone else is doing something a bit interesting like that in the sphere. So there's my two cents. Um, so let's get on to these wines we were talking about. So do you want to kick off uh, with your first wine? Why don't we talk about the rosé? What did you choose? Okay. I have um, swapped out one of my wines. Oh, okay, cool. That's all <laughs> Just right. Just to keep you on your toes. Hey, um, that's what I'm here um, for. The rosé. Okay, I've been drinking this rosé for years. It's the – sorry, my French is horrible. The La Planchurilie. Yeah, you the, might be able to pronounce it. La Cabernet d'Anjou rosé from the Loire Valley. Exactly. And Maybe. for $14 – and I think $14 is the most you'd ever pay for it. I've seen it on special quite oh, yeah. a few we, times. We discounted it, um, Uncle Dan. Well, we import it, so we can discount it down a little bit further than that sometimes. It's so good. And it's just a different style to those really super dry um, Provence rosés that many are familiar with. Yeah. This one's made from Cabernet Franc. And it's just got lots of like beautiful red berries. There is a fruit sweetness to it, so it's not dry. There's definitely some fruit sweetness. But for me, it's the perfect daytime rosé. It's really low in alcohol as well, so you can have a couple of glasses and not feel sluggish. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it's one of our big sellers. And as you say, the great thing about this wine is because everybody thinks they want dry, dry, dry everything, right? But not everybody does. And so when someone comes in and says, look, I like it pretty dry, but fruit sweetness, I think, is a really good way to describe that wine. Um, I often will love drinking like a... 
a late pick German Riesling or something in the afternoon, like Me a too. yeah, like a Doctor Loz and Velenas on yeah. or something, right? So eight yeah. percent alcohol, super fresh, lovely acidity, and even better, you can you can take them out to have them with Sichuan food, where you've got a like really hardcore chili, and the acidity will cut through the fat, and then the sweetness helps cut out with oh, they're they're great wines. Okay, so my first wine under twenty bucks is actually twelve dollars. Ooh, um, bargain. Yeah, and people always laugh at this because, you know, <laughs> I, I represented Jacobs Creek or Pernod Ricard winemakers for years up in, in Europe. And so the idea for me was like, and I'd come from, make, you know, making a bit of wine in the Yarra and working in back vintage Burgundy at MW Wine. So for me to go to Jacobs Creek, it's like, all right, well, there's got to be some sort of credibility there. Otherwise, I'm just a sellout, right? Mm-hmm. And and this wine is the Reserve Chardonnay Pinot Noir, the Reserve Sparkling. And in a masterclass a couple of years ago called the quality versus price ratio, I put this blind next to Moet Echandon, and I'm not bagging out Moet, but everybody <laughs> thought this was really excellent and good champagne, and it's 12 bucks, mate. So get... Champagne, uh, get, wow. <laughs> champagne. Yeah, get, get, <laughs> champagne. Get around it. It's actually a really good drink. All right, so what's your next wine under $20, Gabby? Um, let's go Riesling. So okay. I tried this the other day, and I'm so happy that I found this wine. Um, it's the Giessen Riesling from New Zealand, and it's medium sweet. So it's not dry, guys. It's medium sweet. <laughs> I just there's so much confusion around Riesling. Some think it's bone dry. Some think it's yeah. sweet. It can be everything. Of course. Anything in between those yeah. two levels. Yeah. Um, so this one's only 15. And I really love those German-style Rieslings too, like especially the Cabernet, Spatlays. But they're expensive. Yeah, and they are. I don't always want to spend 50 or so dollars on a wine. Mm-hmm. So this kind of gives you that same vibe. It has those beautiful ripe Riesling notes like of mandarin and honey and peach. Um, there's sweetness on the palate, but it also has that high acidity. So it balances out the wine. Is this so the... if you want a German style, but you, like it's going to scratch the itch <laughs> of that German Spätlist without setting you back 50 bucks. Is it the one that has a slight uh, sort of blush to it? Is that the one? No, there's no blush. Because uh, there's a German, there's a Giessen uh, Riesling that they do that's called Blush Riesling that we sell. That's kind oh, of yeah, and it's got a little tinge blush to Riesling. it. Yeah, it's actually really nice too. And as you say, like not everything has to be you know bone dry or sweet. There's yeah. a million kind of levels in between. All right, well yeah. I'll take your gem, uh, your um, your sort of slightly <laughs> s- sweeter German style Riesling and go to an import wine. My two cents on under twenty dollar wines. You know, 20 years ago, it was all imports that were really good, I thought. And then Australia's come a, come along a, a long way. But I decided to pick an import for my first one, and that is the Pimo Pecorino. Uh, so Pecorino mm. comes from sort of just a little bit across from Rome in the middle of Italy there. And this is a $15 wine, and we obviously we import this as well. So we, at the moment, we're selling it for 13 bucks. Now, Pecorino is sort of interesting because, you know, how many Italian wine varieties are there, like, Thousands, right? Well, yeah, three thousand and fifty or something. Now we don't, you know, we can't import all of them, and so people say, well, "What's Pecorino like?" Well, I would describe this somewhere between, you know, like a unwooded, unoaked Chardonnay type thing, verging on some of those nice, sort of fresh acid notes from a raising, but not quite as high. So, you know, sort of maybe on a scale between Pinot Gris, Pinot Grigio, in an Italian style, um, into an unoaked Chardonnay, it just bats above its average for price and it's really lovely and I've got a little food and wine display set up in the store so for me it's just classic easygoing risotto wine and you know a little bit for the a little bit for the risotto a little bit for richo a little bit for the risotto a little bit for richo that's how it works I love that yeah me too so what's your number three wine um under 20 bucks 
I'm also going to go for an import on this yep. one. This one is from France. Mm -hmm. um, it is a Picpoul Dupinet from oh. the Languedoc Roussillon. Uh, yep. The producer is Bella Durant. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. Uh, we've got one, Belladon. Bella yeah, the yeah, Picpoul, that's, yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. These are all Dan Murphy's wines. So yeah, oh, well, there you go. Happy days. Yeah. Uncle Dan. They've got like the best range for under 20. So it's just, and I know everyone can access the wines that I recommend if I pick yep. something from Dan. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And yeah, Picpoul comes from down the south part of France. And, uh, you know, do you know what the, the slang, what Picpoul de Pinay is in French slang? Lipstinger? Lipstinger. So what does that Lip tell you, people? It's great with seafood. Bang it out with some seafood, yeah. right? Yeah. That that wine over indexes on quality, Gabby. I agree totally. My next wine, I've chosen an Australian white, which is the Xanadu Fusion Chardonnay from Margaret River. At the, currently, this wine's $18.95. My love of Yarra Valley and Margaret River Chardonnay is well known, and so it should be because those two regions make it very, very well. To get an under-$20 Margie Shardy sometimes, you know... Margie Shardy. <laughs> I love Margie. I love that. I Margie love that. Margie Shardy. Well, I, re I really, really rate Xanadu as a winery. And, I mean, they've got a reserve one for over 100 They've got a, a regular one for about 30 bucks. But for under 20 this over-indexes. The one thing I'll say, and I'm not sure if Darren's listening. Hello, Darren, if you are. I don't like the label, but I love the juice. Let's just leave it at that. So don't worry about the label, people. You don't drink the label. All right, what's number four for you, Gabby? Uh, let's another import. This one is from Bizarro, Spain, so it's a Mencia. Oh, cool. And it's a Solterio. Maybe okay. Now, I saw this on your list, but I actually don't recall tasting it. What does it taste like? Oh, it's really, really good. So if, you, if you're if you into Pinot, I think you'd really enjoy this. It'd be a nice change. Just have a bit more body. I'd say medium body, but it is aromatic like a Pinot. So I remember having like red fruits, pretty florals, a little bit herby and a little bit smoky too. Yeah, cool. And you can also chill it down if you want a chilled red. This one works really well for that. So this is the sort of wine I reckon if you like spicy food um, and you want a red wine, this will work because often I see people in Indian yeah. restaurants you know, drinking Cabernet. Now, if that's your thing, that's Ooh. cool. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it works, but look, I'm not bagging it out. But maybe something like a menthea or a mencia, like that'll work well because it's going to not clash so much, less tannin, you know, really easy going. Yeah. Yeah, that's I sounds, think so. That sounds grouse. Righto. Do you, did you get my, on my email when I said grouse? You don't guys don't use that word in Sydney, but it just means... No, we do. Oh, do you? Oh, we do. Yeah, okay. we well, definitely grouse. do. Yeah, grouse. <laughs> it's grouse, mate. All right. So that's a great lead into my number four wine, which is actually a French wine from the Loire Valley as well. It's a bit difficult to say, um, but it also works really well if you chill it down a little bit. But it's made from Cabernet Franc, and it's called Saint-Nicolas de Bourgogne, which is just sort of around from Chinon. Um, and it's called Le Caillou. Caillou in French means rock, so it's from a nice little rocky vineyard there from the Bougrier family, and it's about 19 bucks. And for me, Cabernet Franc, you know, it gets a little bit of savouriness, and not greenness, but there's a herbaceous kind of herbal quality to it, which I really, really dig. And I think, you know, I'd love to see more producers in Australia in cool climate regions doing it. And I'll give a shout-out to Shandy at Airlybank slash Punt Road, who makes Airlybank Franc, which just bang on but it's a bit over 20 bucks so it didn't make it to my lists mm. Ooh, that is really good cab franc that yeah. they make it's delicious oh yeah well i look okay so you know punt road early bank all the wines for me just bat so far above their average for quality yeah. for price the gamma have you tried the 21 gamma yeah. 
so good. I had a tank sample last time I was there earlier this year. It was so delicious. Yeah, and of course, they couldn't get it ripe in 2020 because it obviously does need a bit more heat. But then in a vintage like 16, I mean, compared to Pinot Noir, in a vintage like 16, then it's much better because it can take the heat. And if you can't take the heat, get out of the vineyard. What's your your last? What's number five? What's number five for you? Let's finish off. Let's round out. Let's boot this baby home. I'm on a mission to bring Rutherglen musket back into fashion. <laughs> Australia's liquid gold. Okay, the Bullies fine musket is twelve dollars, <laughs> yeah. and it's such a shame not many people are drinking it. It's I know. so delicious. I know. So it's fortified, so it's high in alcohol, so around eighteen percent. It's like lusciously sweet. It's just so delicious. It's like honey and toffee, orange blossom, and once you open it, you can keep it for a good month. Oh, so yeah. you only need to have like a little sip every now and again pour it over your ice cream, do whatever you want with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, let's let's be honest, people. Australian liqueur muskets and liqueur tokays or topake as it is known now, they are just a little slice of Australian history and I couldn't agree with you more. Why don't we start a, a grassroots campaign to just get more Rutherglen wines in general because yes. they seem to be kind of diminishing ever uh, by the category in the stores and... Let's be honest. I mean, there's a great bunch of white wines from up there too. So I'm on that bandwagon if I'm if yeah. I'm able. Um, and then I, yeah, it's great. It's so close. To, we're so lucky in Melbourne. You know, it doesn't matter which direction you go in. You're absolutely, you know, there's so many incredible wineries and some some really awesome, cheap and more premium and super premium and luxury wines too. Now, one of my favourite wineries and. My next guest is actually from Wins. Uh, so I'm looking at, for my number five wine, Wins the Siding Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm. Now, yeah, the 2019 was absolutely so ridiculously good. I mean, like for 12 bucks, 50 or 13 bucks or whatever it is at the moment, 14, mm. 13.95. Ridiculous quality people. And the 20 was good and the 21's back and that's absolutely insane again. So for me... This category of less less oak and more fruit-driven, you know, winds have really kind of pioneered this sort of stuff over the years, but they're, they're knocked it out of the park for six as far as I'm concerned with this. Have you had the siding cab? I have not. Get on board. It's really good. I need to get a bottle. You need to get a bottle. And $14, <laughs> does it does make it affordable. So I think, yeah. I think this is a great little list. I reckon we should do this more often. Would you want to come on every now and again and we can pick a little yeah. topic and we'll do it? Because, you know, I, I think that's a good thing. And I, I love talking to people from different cities as well because obviously we're, we're from Melbourne here. Simon Nash, my co-host, Morning Simon, if you're listening, he's a Melbourne boy. We also have Jill Upton, who's from Queensland, and one of the great things that she brings to the show, apart from her incredible energy and knowledge, is the fact that she's in Brisbane, and so she's always spruiking the wineries up in the Granite Belt, and so that's a great thing for us to hear down here. Yeah, they've got some great wines up there. I sure do. Well, Gabby, it's been a pleasure having you on this morning. I've really, uh, I've really enjoyed it. And as I Thanks said, for I, having me. No, it's been great. And obviously, like, you, there's so much more to you than than meets the eye, and that's why I wanted to get you on. And you know, I, I think at some point, you know, I'll have to jump on that uh, on that train and do the WSET diploma as well. But you know, so much work seems like so. Oh much work. yeah, get prepared. It's like commitment needed is two years and like two years of your undivided attention <laughs> and yeah, I'm, to undivided honest, attention to be honest i'm not i'm not great at commitment the longest yeah. job the, the longest job i've ever had in the wine industry is at dan murphy's at the moment i joined in december 2018 and you know i just like working oh, wow. there so much that i've stuck stuck it out longer than any other gig that i've ever yeah. had 
So well, they're, they're really good to you, as Dr. Buffington tells me. He loves they working are. there. Well, look, I mean, oh, he's right. he's in the Lane Co- uh, No, he's not in Lane Cove. He's in Double the Bay. Double Bay store, rather, yeah, in Sydney. So for all of you yeah. people listening in Sydney, get down and see Dr. Buffington. Um, he's the wine merchant there. He'll be wearing the apron. And, no, they are mm-hmm. great to us, of course. Like, the bottom line is you know, you've got to bring people back into the store that know about wine, that have the stories to tell, that have the credibility. And for me, joining the dots between, as I said, being out kicking the dirt around at Thousand Candles the other morning, and then when someone comes in and goes, why am I spending 55 bucks on a Pinot Noir Merlot Malbec Sauvignon Blanc field blend? And I go, oh, well, just strap yourself in, buddy, because we're in for a bit of a, a long, wild <laughs> ride of a story. So, no, it's been great having you on, and I look forward to having you on again. I'll reach out and we can do this a bit more regularly. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Don't forget, guys, there is plenty under 20. Plenty under 20. Hashtag. (laughs) It's beautiful. And, yeah, I'm on board for that too, Gabby. Been a pleasure. Happy Mother's Day for you as well. Thank you. Bye, Richard. Grouse, take it easy.